Hello. This is going to sound painfully old school. It is. I'm sorry. We're back in the cabin and it's raining. But the rest of the podcast is on, on Zoom, Zoom computers. It should yeah. be okay, quality-wise. Um, because we're talking to our friend and volunteer, Mickey, about uh, the book Cows, Tails and Cobras 2. Yes. It's a really cool, like, rope assault courses and ethos of adventuring stuff. Um, yeah, it's a really cool book. But we wanted to start. We've been brewing up some songs. We have. What was the prompt the, the for the The theme songs? of the song was, this time, was chasing games. Oh, yeah. Chasing, chasing games. Tagging games. Yes. Chasing games. Uh, just because it's been a bit of a theme recently amongst our groups, they have wanted to do quite a lot of chasing. Yeah. Um... So yeah, so shall I? And we haven't heard. I haven't, haven't heard, heard yours yet. No, and I so haven't I'm heard yours either. To hear it. Okay, are you right. ready? I'm ready. Uh, I'll see if I can make it work. Skulking through the undergrowth Like a lame old tiger stalking its prey Undignified down on my knees But at least they still ask me if I'll play Promise you will run your fastest I hate it when grown-ups pretend that they're slow I promise I will run my fastest But I can promise how fast I will go Run, run Can you be the tagger? Can you be the tagger? Run, run Yes, I'm the tagger, yes, I'm the tagger Shall we play a lovely game Of sleeping lions or hide and seek Any game where I'll be still Or preferably have a secret sleep Yes, that, that sounds really good But can we change the rules a bit Can you chase us round the woods Again and again till you feel sick Run, run Can you be the tagger, can you be the tagger Run, run Yes, I'm the tagger, yes, I'm the tagger Run, run can you be the tagger? Can you be the tagger? Run, run. Yes, I'm the tagger. Yes, I'm the tagger. Run, run. Can you be the tagger? Can you be the tagger? Run, run. Yes, I'm the tagger. Yes, I'm the tagger. Guys, can you just wait up a second? Wait up. I'm just going to take a little break, okay? Just a little rest and I'll play again in a minute. Okay? Thanks. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> There's so many real phrases. Yes. In that. There are. Um, yeah, and that's what. And the and the is your daughter. Yes. Is in there. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Wow. Shouting, run, run. Um, yeah. yeah, it basically wrote itself yeah. to sentence. You know that I hate it when grown ups pretend that they're slow. Yeah. Well, yes. You know, promise you'll run fast. Well, I, I can't promise it will be fast. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be the fastest that I personally can go. Yes. Immense. Yes. Ah. Oh. Um, okay. So, um, is it on the right? Yeah. Um. Okay, so this is mine. Yeah. And I'm very much um, channeling the person who really loves tagging games. Okay, great. But Me. doesn't love Me. tagging games. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we can really tag if you want. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm pretty good. I'm like, you're never getting past. Because guess who's running fast? Babe. You never should have asked. Babe. Who's never ever last? Babe. I got lights on my trainers there. Flashing. Lighting up the puddles I run through. Flashing. Get out of my way because I don't want to be. Crashing. Just need to run. Tag, tag your shit. Tag you your shit. Tag you your it. I fucking got. Tag you your it. Tag you your shit. Tag you your it. Go sit it down. I don't get caught, I'm like Shaggy wasn't me. I don't know who you think you got, but it wasn't me. I didn't even feel it wasn't me. I wasn't even playing No, listen man, I'm not even This is a joke, I wasn't Because you didn't say it all in the rules When we started and you were looking And I was actually really fast the other way And you, just doesn't count, alright Doesn't count, restart Just restart, okay So restart This time I'm going faster than a jet plane Can't slow down so let me explain When you got me on that last round I was actually standing on home ground I was just playing when we were just saying That I could be on your team next If you think you tag me then I'ma sadly say You better check your specs Tag you your it Tag you your shit Tag you your it Tag you your it 
Tag you your shit Tag you your hip Go sit down Yeah, see I'm always gonna tag you man And uh, the only times you got me Was when you weren't even using the rules and stuff So it doesn't count I'm the best I'm the tagger Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. My stomach muscles are absolutely hurting. They're actually hurting. Wow. I don't, I did, uh, this is a whole new side to you. <laughs> I've never seen. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> I just think I need to have a shower to get rid of it. <laughs> like the urbanness, man. The grime. Uh, the absolute. <laughs> Forest grime. Yeah, man. The streets. <laughs> I didn't realise. I apologise. I mean, it's just there all the time, just waiting to come out. I know. Wow. Wow. Oh I spent my God. three years living in Kingston now. <laughs> you can tell. Wow. Okay. Um, so, there you go, listeners. <laughs> Next time you're playing tag in the woods, just sing those little ditties to yourself while you're running around. Mm-hmm. And um, is there any other um, Next, updates, news that we yeah. need to talk about before we launch into our chat? Uh, le- uh, level three to, in September is the next one. Um, yeah. People, if they want to sign up for that one, come join us. Um, Love to see you. Otherwise, website. we're going to we're doing a workshop oh, yeah. at the Southwest Forest School uh, Association Conference uh, Meetup. All of those keywords are somewhere in the title, and it is in May. I think it is the nineteenth to the twenty-first of we'll May. Check. But if you Google Southwest Forest School um, Conference, um, May, you know definitely on Facebook, Southwest Forest School yeah. Association group. We're doing a workshop there. there about unconditional. Approaches and non-violent communication and declarative language and urban songwriting. <laughs> Imagine that we're doing a workshop on writing songs about forest. I'm going to inhabit that character for the entire workshop. Oh my lord! It's unconditional approaches, but it's just me going, "Yeah, man, you got to like really respect oh them." Oh my lord! Even <laughs> oh my lord! Oh god! Um, uh, yeah, it is the 19th to 21st of May. Um, come it would be yeah. great you don't have to live in the southwest although obviously that's nearer it's near ship to mallet yes in a place called Wanstro. um otherwise, otherwise just enjoy yeah. this chat and um, enjoy the chat and um, um can we just shout out about the um new patreon thingamabobby as yes. well um so that's i'm quite enjoying that actually it's quite fun so if people want to to subscribe to like the next level next level um i'm channeling your urban guru now um then you can pay a little bit on patreon and get more content which is more specifically about uh sort of practice and stuff and we're gonna record one now about like how we use blackboards in our forest all over the woods somebody messaged and said you've always got blackboards everywhere in all of your pictures how do you use them what are you doing with all of them so we're gonna um, answer that in the podcast and that's only 10-15 minutes yeah. which is nice cool cool see you in a bit bye I'm Wem and I'm Lewis this is the Forest School Podcast let's go watched the second episode of Wild Isles. Said that really weird. I had a mini stroke midway through the word Isles. <laughs> so uh, I watched the second episode of Wild Isles today, the David Attenborough thing, and it's woodlands. Nice. <laughs> and it's all like a starling roost and owls and squirrels and deer um, and robins and fungi, there's a really nice visualization of like fungal networks and moving around information and stuff. Mm-hmm. My kids just kept going, that happens in our woods. That happens in our woods. It was really nice. Aww. It was very um, close was to it, home. Was it more child appropriate than the one that we talked about at Forest School last week, where there was lots of peril, <laughs> mild peril trauma? 
Yes, nothing had sharp, pointy teeth. So there were some deer challenging each other. Um, there was some like um, owls hunting in in like a massive flock of like a million starlings. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was done with a it was a thermal camera, so mm-hmm. what you can see is so much um, less. There's uh, there's a pair of eagles. I don't know what type of eagles they were. Yes, I do. Honey eagles, honey, honey, honey buzzards, honey buzzards. That's the one. Um, I think it was them at the start eating like a stoat. Yeah, it was good. And it was like, this is a particularly small stoat, possibly because the parents are signaling that they should leave the fucking nest. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Just going to give you a small morsel today. Yeah, you should just come on. Um, but I got to the end. I didn't get. I remembered. I didn't get to the end of the first one. Um, the end of this one is probably the same. Where it's like a little two-minute thing with David Attenborough being like, "If you want to get involved, you can get a free map of wildlife and go to this Wild Isles website, and there's all the volunteering information or local initiatives or oh, cool. like it was that positive thing oh, at the end good. of like here's some actionable things. That's really so good. Was the program more about? Um animal as in non-human animals in the woods rather than human impact on woodland there was nothing about human impact at all there was a a third party like removed at a point where it was like you know uh i'm next to a 700 year old oak tree england has the lowest forest cover of any european country Mm. and moved on but there was they didn't lean on it and go because of deforestation or because of biofuel plantations or whatever else they just kind of mentioned it and moved on mm-hmm. um so yeah i'm wondering if that first one was Ooh. edited very sorry. heavily sorry i just i bleeped really really loudly and my radiator made a really strange sound so i'm sorry about that that wasn't my tummy my radiator is a good way to cover farts i yeah. didn't see either of those things okay happening. that's good oh i should have just captured them shouldn't i yeah listeners wouldn't know either about how hey. I'm professional. My house makes weird sounds. Um, that sounds good. I, I will get back on it then because we were talking about, I mean, I feel like this is a separate podcast, this whole like, you know. Yeah, but I wanted to touch on the eco-anxiety sure. thing because sure. the three of us had had this conversation yeah. in yeah. person. Should we tell the listeners who we're talking to? That yes. might be quite nice. Yes. The disembodied voice is Gemma's radiator. It makes very <laughs> odd noises. No. Uh, we're talking to um, Mickey. Mickey Murphy, who is here with us. Mickey is one of our... Well, Mickey has been a number of things to us and, and in, in life. I was thinking the other day, I was mentally preparing for like, oh, what will I say? So Mickey's currently a volunteer with our home ed group, but your uh, daughter has come to our groups in the past and you uh, did your um, pilot sessions with us, which seems like a long time ago now when you were doing your forest school qualification. Um yeah. Yeah, you've been. You've milked, you've milked me for all I'm worth, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're on the podcast. Hey, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, tell you, you what. Wanna, before we before we talk about the book, like, yeah. um, Mickey, do you want to tell the listeners like what else you get up to? Because you are up to all kinds of interesting things when you're not with us in the woods as well. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I love trees. Um. I discovered my love of trees from protesting to save them against roads while I was at university. I did my degree in English and then pretty quickly moved into a tree house. Mm-hmm. Um, and off the back of that, have discovered all sorts of amazing ways to interact with woodlands Um and combine so forest school was my way of combining what I initially thought I was going to do which was teaching and then nature um so having kids out in the woods but I also do some low impact regenerative forestry things so coppicing hedge laying forestry I do use chainsaws sometimes but most of what I've been moving towards is hand tool forestry and empowering people to get out into the woods and manage them efficiently as a rubbish word uh 
consciously, regeneratively with, mm-hmm. um, yeah, with hand tools so that people can access them, but also for the climate in mind. So using a lot less fossil fuels. So that's what I was doing the weekend just gone. We were bringing some very dangerous ash trees down that were on a footpath and we were using axes and crosscut saws. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I'll show you some videos of that one. Amazing. <laughs> when I see you. Um, so, yeah, that's what I do. And I also just get to hang out with kids in the woods doing sometimes woods related things but mostly in the past few weeks been playing hive been playing yeah. a lot of hive <laughs> uh, hive person at forest school at the moment yeah. which um, i enjoy a lot so um yeah that's how i in a, a potted version of why i love the woods nice yeah. thanks and you brought this book that we're going to um talk about to our attention which is called cows tails and cobras 2 by carl ronka and um and you just told us you just found it in a charity shop like did you had you heard of it before you found it and was like oh bonus no you just found it and was like that looks interesting and it turned out to be a cracker like yeah so Generally, when I go into a charity shop, if it's a book charity shop, I go straight to the natural history bit because Mm -hmm. that's my love. And I just spotted the book and the cover looked so amazing. It basically looked like the protest camp that I used to live on, but more exciting and less scary. Um, So there's, it's like an adventure playground. The cover is lots of rope walkways and people helping each other over obstacles and swinging about on stuff in the woods so i don't know if you've frozen no i don't think so yeah Gem- Gemma Gem- probably has but we just crack on okay um, so yeah i spotted the book in a charity shop in Taunton and had a quick flick through it and opened it at the knots page and I didn't really look at anything more and just paid £2.99 for it mm. and then when I started flicking through it I hadn't actually read a huge amount of it but I was chatting to you and Gemma and I was like this book looks really interesting found a free pdf of yes. the book online and linked that to you and then I kind of read a bit of it dipped in and out there were some really interesting suggestions for games and things and then I kind of forgot about it until you and Gemma the other day said should we do a podcast on it and I was like oh maybe I should actually properly read it all the way through and give it some focus and attention um so yeah this is a tricky book to read cover to cover though I think um because the first I think third of it is some quite juicy ethos stuff um uh which is really interesting and then there's quite a it, it um i can sh- my notes basically are like condensed in the first half and then it goes into lots of like rope games and like what i would call wide games um or like they uh, like scout games adjacent then it goes way beyond what i can possibly even comprehend it starts talking about bee laying and parachute walks and stuff where it just kind of went okay i need to keep skipping um it's interesting some of it and um we should probably talk about the fact that this is the second edition of and the first edition um so it was what 1971 in America, right. yeah. when the first idea for this thing, Project Adventure, um, pro- so Project Adventure, which we haven't talked about. Yes. The name of the book is Cows, Tails and Cobras, um, which they explain in one sentence. Oh, yeah, it's like absolute nonsense. Just cow's tail is the fluffy bit at the end of rope. Cobras is a yoga thing. Pay, no more, has- pay no more attention. Moving on. No functional... Uh, understanding needed um and so this is the second edition and in within this book i'm thinking it's carl ronk says that the first edition was much more technical knowledge of how Mm -hmm. to set things up and um and so when they brought the second edition out instead of having that 
juicy, meaty, technical stuff, they say, come to a workshop. Yeah. And we will teach you the meaty, gritty bits, and then you can use this as your guide. So there's a lot of games and a lot of suggestions for things, but there's not so much of that high ropes. Yes, because um, I think that is definitely one of those things where high ropes is something I would personally go, I want somebody else there with me. Oh, I want somebody else. I can't remember. Oh, uh, I did a high ropes thing with my son um, in the last year. And um, we did that thing where as they put you in the harness, you go to one person, they check all of the knots and sign you and then go, now go and see Dave. And Dave checks you all over again and signs it again. And he goes to another person. And I just think that if it's that level of uh, care needed to do it, the level of care to teach it should equally not just be, yeah, yeah, I've seen it in a book. Um, yeah, they're quite clear about that in the book too. I mean, I think the book is a great starting point. And later on in the book, they talk about using it as like a stepping stone and starting small and then slowly building and coming to some trainings or some workshops or having mm. them come to the school. Um, so, yeah, they're quite clear on the safety aspect of the so they talk about the low, the mid and the high and mm. the low stuff is the games. And then the mid stuff is ropes and walkways and things, but it's at a height where if you fell, you can be spotted. Yeah. And then there's the high ropes, which is um, the really exciting looking stuff to me. <laughs> it's the most exciting looking. I find this book really interesting, especially the first bit, because like you say, they've got this, um, uh, there's like an onus put at the start about, you know, this is, you know, safety is all the way through this book and they're talking about what to do. And there's some really interesting considerations um, through not just about, you know, this is the type of knot you need to use and this is the, but stuff about, you know, you may have learners who want to approach it this way and that might um, pull up their clothing. So if you are worried about skin being on show, do it in this way or do it in this way. Um, but the, First bit of it, in the ethos bit, there's a bit that's like, um, I'm going to quote a bit, which is like, uh, I began my career working outdoor adventure education with the personal credo, don't take yourself too seriously. Rather than mellowing with, with age, responsibility and repetition, the credo has escalated to, if you take yourself too seriously, no one else will. Casual competence and a sense of responsible abandon are beneficial attributes and are key towards refining your adventure education approach. And I kind of like that phrase, responsible abandon. Yeah. Uh, that ch chimes very well with, like, my internal feelings about... And it speaks to that thing women and I have talked before about, that thing where you offer stuff in forest school and you offer it with a big old springboard, like, super enthusiastic. But, you you know, like, hey, guys, does anyone want to be a leopard hunter in the thick? No. No. But if you'd gone in with like super serious, you know, I've got the biggest ego in the room, you, you're not going to survive. So this like credo of, uh, you know, don't yeah. take it too seriously. I really liked all that stuff at the beginning. I just kept going like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought it was so like um, forest school as I see it anyway. And I... Um, and forgive me if you've already mentioned this because I just dropped out my computer went weird. But like, I just got this like vibe from it of the kind of 70s and 80s. And I was writing loads of notes. And then halfway through my notes, it just says, the 80s were awesome. Because <laughs> 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 it's like... And it talks about what Project Adventure, who are the you know collaborate um, sort of uh, group who are uh, doing this and the, the project, uh, about what the learning goals are. Have you guys talked about that? No. Yeah. About it, yeah. No, okay. that was okay. Um, so there are five of them. One is increasing the participants' personal confidence. Two is increasing mutual support within a group. Three is improving agility and physical coordination. Four is increasing joy in one's physical self and in being with others. And five is developing familiarity and identification with the natural world. I was like, that can so apply to forest school, like that whole like mm. holistic approach. And like, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. It doesn't really matter if it's like, this is about ropes or this is, you know, do you know what I mean? It's just like, wow, what a great like list of learning goals. I just love that. I thought it was there brilliant. There is something though, and I'm struggling to find the piece that, that um, 
I thought was really interesting, and I can't remember where it is now. He's talking about the role of the leader. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's some amazing things where he's talking about the roles of the leader. And the only bit I could find that I was like, oh, that doesn't quite fit yet is um, there's a bit where he's talking about like the role of the leader is to push people into their like uncomfortable zones and that's where growth happens and like getting people there even if they don't really want to go there themselves oh i disagree with that i disagree with that so then follow but he then follows it up with a bit of i think the phrase is like challenge by choice and it and it does sort of mellow back out and goes to the we can talk about challenge by choice more in a minute but um I think that I agree in that that sense that like uncomfortableness is where growth happens. I think uh, the way he was describing getting people into their uncomfortable zone wasn't as I see our role in terms of like being a safe harbor, like that sort of unconditional approach of like that makes people feel safe to take their own risks and to go into that uncomfortable zone on their own he was talking much more it seemed about setting stuff up that pushes people or being the one that encourages people into it do you know what i mean it's it's i've got the page in front of me because i also wrote something about that or like took note of that particular thing but i came at it from a different angle okay there's there's this thing that they build upon that's like sequencing Mm -hmm. so it's a bit like in mainstream education it might be termed scaffolding that idea of starting from something small and playing some group games and building up trust there was a lot of talk about really slowly and necessarily building up the trust within a group before you move on to anything that is actually challenging and the bit that I wrote about I mean challenge by choice I think we could probably talk about on its own but there's the idea I'll I'll read a quote too. It says, much of the outdoor education movement has been based on challenge and stress and the assumption that if groups or individuals come up against against extreme difficulty, then change and growth will take place. Um, And I, they go on to talk about it a bit more in terms of the responsibilities of the leader, um, but they hadn't done it at that point. And I think I was where you were, Lewis, when I wrote down in my notes, I was like, you need to be careful, follow the needs of the individual group. It's not a one size fits all. Um, But this was before they'd really gone into detail about this idea of challenge by choice. Mm. Thanks to everybody that's rating and reviewing the podcast on Spotify and on iTunes. It really helps to get the podcast in front of more people and helps us spread the word about the amazing thing that is Forest School. Yeah, they follow. He follow. They seem to follow up about um, um, about saying no is a strength, not a, not a weakness. Um, yeah. So I guess yeah. In terms of you're like looking at forest school parallel side by side with this kind of project adventure education, like the adventure education side of things is all like its aim is to get people, um, you know, into this like very basically dangerous, very high risky play, deep play scenarios, whereas Forest School might not necessarily do that. So, of course, they're kind of different in that way. Um, But there is, they do say, be careful with the stress and pressure and consider the needs of the group. And they talk about working with very varied groups of people as well. So they are saying, well, yeah, you know, this kind of approach to education can work with mainstream class in mainstream school, but can also work with special needs groups, can also work with people in um, uh, hospital, all these kind of things. So they, I thought it kind of, it surprised me with the sort of breadth of uh, uh, accommodation, I guess, and thoughtfulness about the needs of the group. I was surprised by that. But then it makes a lot of sense when you're talking about getting to such high stakes activities at, towards the end of a programme. It completely mm. makes sense that you've got to think about people's relationships and emotions and, um, you know, and physical ability beforehand. So there's lots of stuff about warming up and things like that, isn't there, as well as making links between a group and trust and all that kind of stuff. Um 
but I, I was really interested as well in the kind of sequencing idea of like, okay, so you'll start with, you know, acquaintance games and icebreakers and things to get a group because your group might not know each other at all beforehand, or they may have relationships that are quite classroom based or based on something in the past. And now they've got to sort of approach each other in a new way. And then I was interested in this like step to being what they call de-inhibitizer activities, I found that really interesting to you guys, which is like yes. things like yelling, like yelling really loud or like being really silly without any kind of shame or. Yeah, there was a bit, a bit later on. And also I went on a bit of a, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole and I was looking at some, some linked things and the project adventure Australia, mm-hmm. I think it's project adventure Australia lists their, their goals and their philosophies and their ethos. And among the ones that you were mentioning earlier, Gemma, they had one that was called functional understanding, not necessary, which is fun. (laughs) There was this idea of, yes, all of these things can contribute to academic learning. They can contribute to physical education curriculum they can contribute to like you were saying counseling and therapy groups could make use of it but also like just for the joy of doing it and just for like being in the woods and shouting and just for hanging out with your friends and like maybe some of those things will happen but you don't actually need to have the function and understanding of these transferable skills that you're learning sometimes just the joy of being there is enough to do it itself and I really really like that I do too and I think that comes across quite a lot in the book and I think that's part of the reason why I was like the 70s natures are awesome because it reminded me of like adventure playgrounds and that approach to play for its own sake you know it's just like this is valid like and just being a bit of a wally and being silly having a (laughs) laugh is important Um, I thought it was really refreshing. I haven't read anything like that for a long time. And we are sort of in an age of, yeah, accountability on the, you know, uh, of the adult who's working with young people in what, you know, teacher, political leader, whatever, like, yeah, but why are you doing this? And what's the point? And show me your outcomes. And uh, we, we inevitably lose that just for the sake of doing it fun joy thing but i like that acronym as well that you can uh functional understanding not necessary yes. exactly yes. your manager is uh approaching and asking why your children are all shouting you at the top of their lungs in the woods like oh. there's yeah. a bit in that as well when they're talking about the I mean, maybe my brain read it wrong. I read it as destabilizing activities, which, which I actually kind of that because that made sense to me. That I was like, that's just destabilizing you. It's putting you on the back foot. It's getting you a little bit wobbly before you begin. Mm. And then, because in my head, then see, I've created this whole thing that clearly didn't exist. In, in my in my <laughs> head, it, it, it then made sense that the sequence was destabilize like socially with the yelling or with the one of the games is like doing a very dramatic death when you get the samurai samurai warrior. Yeah. I know a few in our in our Thursday group that would love that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then it says, and then follow up by doing some like um cardiovascular warming balancing things like that and i was like oh that makes sense you destabilize social and emotionally and then you stabilize physically and that's the secret and that, so i've invented that because i misread a word but um <laughs> i do quite like it in, in terms of you know putting you on your back foot and then because then it talks about this actually the one of the notes i made about the number of um warming up activities which are some of them are games, some of them are like challenges, you know, like can you balance with your um, partner's feet against yours and um, things like that. And um, I, it did make me wonder about um, when children arrive, particularly children, arrive at forest school sessions, whether we necessarily take into account what their physical activity has been up to that point and whether um we could be more conscious i say we meaning us at our setting but also the wider forest school community like so for our sessions where the kids arrive 
individually by car, they've potentially got up, sat in front of the TV for a bit or, you know, had some breakfast, sat in a car for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, however long it takes them to get to the woods, walked in, come and sat around the circle. And then because we have been active setting up and moving around, we're pumped and primed and we're like, right, let's go for hunters and rabbits. Right, let's go and do this thing. And like whether they're, and normally, you know, nine times out of 10, they're up for it. But just, I've never really taken into account of thinking like, they should probably warm up their bodies before we do that thing. Um, Do you know what I mean? Whereas these activities that take five minutes, would be a great little stepping stone in terms of that sequence up to a bigger game or something. And um, Oh, for uh, us, you know, like children are quite bendy and springy, but yeah, I'm sure you're right. But also for for us, I used to do that when I used to go to one of the schools where we used to do pop-up stuff on their school field and uh, working with year fives and six, and they they just wanted to run. They were like really super mm. fast and they wanted to do loads of predator and prey games and stuff. And I was like wearing really heavy boots, no warm-up, like just absolutely chasing them at full pelt. And I did like give myself some aches and pains through not warming up. And I think that um, that is a very, a very valid point because we don't know what kind of play they're going to spring off into quite quickly after arriving. They could be mm. doing some really quite physical upside down, hanging, chasing, climbing stuff that we're not necessarily preparing them for. And it's good modeling to do that, even if they are kind of warmed up. Yeah, and it made, sorry, Mickey. Go on. You go, Lewis. I was going to say it made it made me think about those um, learners we've had all through doing this, where physical activity, like cardiovascular activity, to be more specific, is is a bigger challenge for them than it might be for other learners. And I was reflecting on whether that would have changed if there had been a stepping stone up to let's do something that's a bit active and get warm, a bit more active and a bit more active. And actually how many of those learners that are puffed out after two minutes or the ones that, you know, they quite often need to sit down. Not that this is a bad thing, but, you know, the ones that will find that they need to sit down more often or whatever else they might need, whether they are experiencing that thing of, like you say, when the the play has sprung off unexpectedly and I'm not ready yeah, that was just my vague thought about that. But well, what were you going to say? Go on. I, I, I was up for letting you chat because I was about to go off on a bit of a tangent. But no, it's, it. it's the this idea that... So this book that we're reading is, in essence, like a guide for curriculum, for mm-hmm. teachers in schools or for therapists or for people who want to use this almost like a a structure or a scaffold. But what I took from it was there's so many links to forest school and there's so many ways you don't, it's not like you have to start at page one. And I mean, in the back of the book, there are some really structured, this is how you might do it. Yeah, there's like eight week courses, aren't there? And and different year groups and, you know, what they're working through. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's really amazing in terms of accessibility because for some people this could be really intimidating and they'll be looking at this thinking how am I going to work this into my I've got the head teacher breathing down my neck how can I but what I really took from it was you could do it like that if you wanted to or you can just open it up read through the philosophy read through the ethos take these bits we're talking about how it's already applicable or how some of the things that have come up are applicable in the forest school setting and like some of the games that you could use and the perspective that they were talking about in terms of the leader, mm. I really uh, like aligned, makes it sound a bit military, but this idea that the leader is there to be working like alongside the group, it was to yeah. do with sharing the learning yeah, and common ground and getting ground, stuck yeah. in. That yeah. idea of, of being silly and being fun and getting stuck in and attempting the same things that you're asking the learners to do and it just really brought me back to I think it was a couple of weeks ago when we were setting up the zip line and I was stood there like hanging out with the 
watching them holding the thing and I, in my head I was like I really want to go on this zip line <laughs> and then instead of just being like well we set this up for the I was like can I ever go on the zip line <laughs> and we had to make some modifications and but they were so that they were like cheering me on and holding yeah, my place yeah. in the queue and being really excited they about it, it. And, I was, and then I got a go and it was great and I, that's just that's so forest school for me it's that we're there yeah. to facilitate learning but we're also there to show that we're learning alongside and that we don't have all the answers and sometimes we need to get a book and sometimes we just want to swing on a trapeze well, you say that I'm going to counter with a bit that's at the back of the book when he's talk. Uh, this author is talking about knots and like how to practice knot work and uh, you know it's got some tips in there one of the bullet points is like just get comfortable with the with the vocabulary learn about working end and cow's tails and overhand and all this stuff and then the bullet point underneath is something like learn two more knots than you're ever going to actually need because if you can do two extras they'll assume you know every knot that's ever been tied and that will get you out of a lot of situations like i like this mentality i I read that bit yeah not that long ago um because i was reading the knot bit and i was exactly the same um i was just like yeah I've shown about 12 people how to do mo- monkey's fists recently, but what they don't know is that I only know the monkey fist and the bowline. <laughs> but because this one's a really showy knot, they're like, yeah. oh, he's-. I mean, I do know yeah. more knots than that, but it's that idea of you show them a really fancy one and then, and then like, you must know everything. Yeah. But yeah. it's also that idea of like, look, I, I taught myself this. I can teach you this. It looks really complicated. And then all the other knots just seem so easy. And it's that same, like, the the philosophy of it is this idea that individuals are more capable than they perceive themselves to be. Yes. And that if you give them the opportunity to try something, then in a supportive atmosphere it's not that pushy you must do it you must if if they want to try they can try and if they don't that's their choice then they can what did he say said something like they can discover the excellence within themselves um i really appreciated this idea of like you've already got it yeah, that it's within them and that you're facilitating it and that you're letting them make the choice to do it and therefore it's more fulfilling and it's they feel like they've achieved more because they chose to do it rather than they've been told to do it. Never go back to mundane marshmallows ever again. Forest School Cooking, the cookbook, covers everything from how to build and use different types of outdoor ovens, stoves and equipment right through to a range of different meals to keep anyone full and ready for the next adventure. Get your copy today on Amazon. Yeah, I love that. Um, I wanted to go back to something you were just saying about, uh, yes, that description of the leader, um, I thought was really, really good. And um, it made me think that if you could just pick, pull out those bits and to anyone who's kind of early on in their forest school leader journey, um, to offer it as a little tidbit for for anyone who's sort of early on there, because the descriptions that they give of yeah, joining in the joy and the adventure and the exploration and having the common ground with your learners, but at the same time, crossing no boundaries. So talking about like, but you are still the adult and you don't need to like, you know, like I think they said something about, you know, if you've got like an actual problem in the situation, you just take control of that. You don't need to like share the problem with them. Like that would be crossing a line. Like you are still the adult, you're still the experienced person. You've still got the responsibility of observing and helping all those kind of things um, at the same time. Um, What did I want to say? Something. um, Yeah. And there, and there were kind of levels of, different things that you can do in your leading so uh, joining in with with them and having the common ground instruction and intervention and the description of that was those moments of like well actually sometimes yeah you they don't know how to do a knot and you are instructing them and sometimes things are going to get out of hand either physically or emotionally and you are going to have to intervene um but a lot of it is about listening and a lot of it is about like setting the scene in terms of like 
competition and cooperation and just transmitting the kind of vibe that is going to be um within the group and that's your kind of responsibility and i just and and humor and all those kind of descriptions mm. like the right kind of approach that's going to work to help people to realize what it is inside them that they can then do i think i thought it was really really nicely written um there's a bit just before the humor uh, which talks about co-leading, mm, yeah. which is a bit that I made uh, a particular note of because we've had a couple of, um, like, uh, uh, it's basically talking about, like, it, even if you're going into a setting and um, you're having assistants that you don't know, you should be meeting with them first, and ideally trying to find common ground, explaining what the goals, like, agreeing what the goals will be so that you're working towards the same thing, um, regular meetings throughout the life of the group. Um, it, you know, it just talks about that, like, really positive. Because this this book could be a handbook that one person then brandishes and goes, right, I'm the leader in these scenarios. And yes, I have some assistance, but they're secondary. But this, one, this two little paragraphs actually makes a really strong case for, like, you are co-leading with people. Um, and you and I went... And they talk about um, the learners really being able to pick up on that. And I think that is really true that that learners in any group can pick up on and that doesn't have to be in just like a forest school setting that can be in like a classroom setting if the ta and the teacher are at odds over something or um if there's parents in a house in a home so you know when they're at odds kids pick up on that really really fast um and i think that's really i thought it was really interesting and also it made me think of We've had some stuff recently when with like bad weather or with um, we were discussing with somebody about dynamic risk assessments and how much you and I sort of shoulder things together in terms of those big, like you're saying, those leadery decisions where you're like something's got out of hand or there's a big thing where you need to go, we've got to pull this thing or we need to make a decision here. And just shouldering that on your own is really, really hard. Um, because you're then second guessing yourself all the time or you're having to do a lot of mental work. Whereas this co-leading thing is like, I think one uh, sort of an unspoken key thing of forest school that the leaders need to have this co-leading attitude. Um, I don't know any forest schools that operate in a, explicitly like there is a leader and these people support them and are secondary where you get the same sense of community, all of the best communities I see and have been lucky enough to sort of visit or things, they're ones where all of the leaders have got that mentality of like there's an equality here or there's a, a shared responsibility at least. Making it more kind of egalitarian to build this idea of community and shared responsibility. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's really important. And children really do see that. It, it's not like an us versus them thing, but that idea of they see you as united in support of them and in support of each other. And it gives them that faith and that trust to be able to kind of step up to the challenges. Or, um, yeah, no, I think that you, you definitely hold that at children in the forest for sure and and reflect back the idea that like we try and talk very explicitly like in, intentionally i would say about each other's strengths as leaders openly to the group to 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 reflect that thing of like nobody here is an island there's no one person that's got all of the skills. And like you were saying about, you know, I, I know the monkey fist. I don't know how to tie a monkey fist. And I would very happily be like to anyone, just be like, yep, yeah, need to go talk to Mickey about that. That's the thing. And that it's like having that humility, being able to share that, like, collectively, we have all these skills, not just as an individual leader running the group. And that then feeds back into that thing of, not taking everything too seriously, you know, responsible abandon, you know. There's also some of the learners within the group that know things that we don't. 
Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not necessarily forest school directly related, but we were sat around the fire the other day and we were chatting about samurais and we couldn't remember what a samurai sword was and someone was walking into the woods and you went, they'll know, and you shouted and they knew. And it's that idea of we were trying to work it out, but we knew somebody who knew what it was and we went and asked them and it did, they didn't have to be an adult. <laughs> everyone's... Yeah, and it's that idea about everybody being in it together. And I really appreciate when you're bringing that idea of having to have a balance because you you can have these great dynamics and these great relationships with the learners that you're working alongside, but making sure that they know that you're there to support them at the end of the day and that you've got their best interests at heart and that you will be holding the group and that, it's your responsibility to keep them safe and you will do that. And I think that really helps to, to help learners feel secure in that environment, to know that you're, you're on it and you can see they're hungry and you can make some food or you, do you know what I mean? That kind Mm. of. That's all that stuff about like creating a learning community, isn't it? Where people feel safe in a lot of different ways that um reminds me of the bit um in the book that was all about debriefing did you guys pick up yeah, on that yeah i love can that, talk yeah, that about was... that? Love it. can we talk yeah. about debriefing like so again i think like the reflective element of forest school i think we're all really good at Thanks, being mate. reflective about what happened ourselves or with a co-leader or, you know, and it's part of our training that we need to like plan our six sessions and then reflect on them and write loads of stuff and observe certain learners and probably give ourselves a bit of a like mental punch and go, oh, I did that wrong. Oh, I'll do that different next time. Oh, you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to reflecting with a group, everything you'll read about forest school will say that that is a really key element of forest school and that should be part of every session and there should be opportunities for reflection within a session and it's not prescriptive it doesn't say you must always end with a circle of people reflecting on what happened um and there are really good resources out there for thinking about ways to reflect including the one by forest school uh, Kaylin Gann's given lots of different like physical examples of how you can lead reflection and um, so it doesn't get boring and stale but just the just the kind of approach that's described in this book I really loved I love that they say it's not separate like it's not like set up the activity activity and then debriefing is like a thing that you like glue on the end because you probably think you should like it's part of it it's, it's your a way plenary. They it's your starter, it, your main, your plenary. Yeah, it's like they describe it as the adventure wave, you know. And so in if you're viewing it through that lens, then I just found that really helpful in terms of if you're planning a session and you're like, oh, crap, and I'm going to need to do some reflection there. And how should I do it this week? Like, oh, there's quite, they got quite bored sitting still. And so maybe I'll do something active. But if you view it as an adventure wave, and I'm not just talking about like, project adventure, high ropes, risky situations, physical, bloody blahs. I'm talking about, any kind of adventure that might happen in the woods that you like something ha- a bit like the play cycle so something happens before and then there's an adventure and you're kind of riding the crest of the wave and then you come down off of that adventure or you know the play cycle ends and that debriefing or reflecting they call it debriefing in the book can be part of that wave and so there can be lots of mini little debriefs throughout the day and that that is a kind of very different way of approaching it and there are different ways that you could do that, either like one-to-one with learners or encourage them to do it with each other. And um, Mickey, I think you're really good at doing that. I've noticed you a lot saying in the woods, just like while people are doing things like, oh, that made me feel this. Or how did it make you feel? Or I, I noticed this and kind of giving people prompts to reflect in the moment about how something's just gone. I've noticed the, um, you do the, that a lot. The structure that they... Um, not suggest, but they were like, if this is something that you struggle with, here's an idea. I really like that idea of it not being at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, generally what people want to do is go home yeah. or they've, they've got their head in a different the place. The transition started, basically. Yeah, isn't it? exactly. And then you sit them in front of a, I don't know, a Venn diagram or you, or you try and ask them what just happened or... Um, this, there's this idea of they in this book call it the what, the so what, and the now, the now what. Yeah. And have that like I'm just going to go back to the zip line again mm. <laughs> because there was so much space for so many different things within that 
zipline adventure that the what was this idea of like what are we doing what have we done how did we do it what happened so you're recalling the things that happened and then the so what is like what are we going to do with that what's next maybe they want it a bit higher maybe we needed a stop or not maybe there were loads of other things that came up with that and then well no that was the now what bit but I just really liked that idea that it was it was happening while it was happening rather than like we talked about doing a zip line we did a zip line how did we feel about the zip line? yeah yeah and now yeah, because that, yeah. because that sometimes I've been to groups and it's happened in our groups as well where you can tell that like the enjoyment of the activity is being like subconsciously suppressed because the reflection is looming it's like yeah. oh yeah this is fun but like they're gonna I make thinking, us talk uh, about it oh, gonna make us do, do two stars and a wish god i just want to like go on the zip line and have functional non-understanding yeah. uh stuff um there was i can't i've just been flicking through really fast to try and find there was a list of bullet pointed things where they were like looking at um what might have come up so that you can like unpick it and one of them and and sort of in a very neutral way it was like was there any um violent aggression um and where did that come from um was there any gender imbalance what roles were taken on was there any um you know uh, other stuff that came up and it had this really but like i said it's really neutrally worded in a way that you just could go through and i'm really annoyed with myself that i can't find it um but i thought that was really interesting to acknowledge particularly i can see it in these challenge scenarios these high ropes things where you could do a debrief where you were like okay so there was some aggression up there where was that aggression coming from and i think people would be more open to going I was just finding that really hard that I couldn't get the clip on the thing. And that came out as aggression. And then it would be amazing if you could pull that type of openness into like, I was just finding it really hard that I was getting caught all the time in tag. And so that came out as, and we have had glimpses of that um, yeah. at different times, but I really liked all and like, just mentioning that as a little, like the gender thing, as a little seed to be like, mm. are there any roles that people are falling into? Or are there, you know, is there anything that's coming up that we're noticing a pattern we do or don't want to um, see? And I was like, that, I just, there was something there that was like, I need to find it because I need to get the neutral wording of it right. Mm. It would be It would be like a tightrope to not lean into your own values or not lean into accusing like i saw a lot of gender things going i saw a lot yeah. like uh, you'd have to find that line um i want to if i can extrapolate something that was for me something that i've realized reading this book and thinking about the forest school principles and um that thing of i can't remember which you know, they don't have numbers um you know like taking appropriate risks and, and it being risk-taking, mm -hmm. it's like a key component of forest school. And then the examples that we normally give are physical risks, like jumping off a log or um, climbing something, climbing a tree. Uh, and then the extension might be, and we've done this lots, as you talk about social and emotional risks of, um, you know, introducing yourself or taking part in a game that's... Um, you know, challenging or, or outside of your comfort zone. And something that was clarified for me reading this book is because actually it was in the bit that I was trying to skip over, which was the bee laying stuff and how that relates back to trust falls and a group being able to look after each other and feel confident and safe. And I was thinking about, about, about whether we acknowledge how much of the risks at forest school are risks to ourselves but the results are in the hands of others so that idea that like jumping off a log is a risk you're taking and the results and the results of that are based on your ability 
the the social emotional stuff is like slightly more in that middle area of like if you introduce yourself into a game that somebody is already playing so people are already playing the results of how that go are out of your hands to a large to a large extent and whether we think about or or sort of verbalize and polbridge this this stuff of um you know if we're building obstacle courses for each other that we talk about how much we go we we need to really trust what you know little dave has put up here because little dave's thing is holding us all up or isn't it isn't this you know we've taken a risk here on mike's fire that that risk that mike's made will be the thing that decides whether we our cooking works and yeah. stuff like that just acknowledging how much we rely on each other in those risk risky scenarios that they're not just and isn't that like an amazing lesson for life like i think i said uh, i had some like ah, moment one time i was like if i could like just you know if there's one thing i could give to the kids and young people that we work with is like the ability to like form relationships with people in a way that makes them feel joy um whatever that means for them and to yeah like you're saying kind of point out in the same way that we might do that instead of praise and reward in the same way that we might point out <laughs> i can see that person looks really happy you gave them the thing and then that happened and we're like just highlighting moments of connection that that element of risk that you're talking about i think is um is really important and there's a bit in there so when when they're talking about spotting at one point or in a few points they'll say spotting like and in brackets caring but that's basically yeah. what you're doing like it's not just about physically waiting for to catch someone or to like give them a, an assisted fall to the ground <laughs> that's the wrong word but supporting their head and shoulders <laughs> so that they don't give themselves a brain injury um it isn't just about that it's just about caring that's what it that's what it is you're caring for somebody and that's your responsibility in the spotting bit what i really liked was that they were talking about you're not just watching that person and waiting in case something does happen they talked about mirroring their movements mm -hmm. and i really like that idea because then it's almost like you become one with them and then you know they're going to fall before they're going to fall but i just love this idea of somebody kind of walking alongside somebody who's balancing on a pole do it like intently really giving their focus to that person and um no i really like that idea of 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 sharing that moment with them because yeah. it's almost like you then get to go oh i did this really cool thing and but actually i was stood on the floor pretending to balance on a pole yeah. mirror <laughs> neurons that's what they yeah. do about isn't it well, mirror I, think, I think you could definitely have a different day in the same way that i think um sometimes i've never felt like it's particularly been successful but during moments of reflection we might have asked the question like who made you happy today which mm -hmm. I, I one of the things i don't necessarily feel like is great about that is it either becomes a popularity thing or it, it it's quite a weird thing but I, I wonder how the question like who did you need to put your trust in today would land because that's a very different thing I'm wondering whether that's adjacent to the higher like whether that removes some sort of hierarchy um in asking like who you needed to trust and that we could help to pole bridge and highlight different areas of trust of like i wonder if you needed to trust that person to when you were doing the wrestling you you needed to trust each other that you were going to stop when you said stop didn't you or um when you were playing that raiders game you needed to trust that people would understand what was okay to take from your den or do you know what i mean just highlighting that trust so like of when when we're making hot drinks and somebody says i'd like a hot squash rather than a hot chocolate and then they go off to play and then they have to trust that the person that they've told that to who asked that of them is going to have listened and will take that on board and will make sure that there's enough hot squash for that person who said they wanted it so it doesn't just have to be about trusting someone in like a physical sense it's like in an emotional compassionate you heard what i'm saying you took it on board you did what i asked of you i was just trying to think of ways of the smaller people being able to to be yeah. trusted too yeah 
Yeah, well, even I guess that level of, you know, I think I get what you're saying about, you know, they're not necessarily being involved in those things. But even just when I'm balancing on this log, I trust that you're not going to come and push me off it. Yeah. I, I, I trust that I can lean over and get this out of the fire and nobody's going to come around and sh- shove me in the butt so I fall in. Um, those are moments of trust and they're a bit like that's they're silly examples but they are moments of trust yeah um oh there's a there's a to bring it back to the book they also were talking about so later on they talk about this idea of no put downs Mm -hmm. so trusting that if you have a go and or if you decide you don't want to have a go that nobody's going to tell you that you can trust that you are supported by the community that you are learning in to, to really have that, just say, no, I don't want to do this. You don't necessarily have to justify it. They're not going to tell you that you're rubbish, that you can trust that if you are having a go, it's because you want to, and you want to try it and you are not allowed to put anybody else down and nobody's allowed to put, you down they talk about that is it called a full value contract yes where everybody works together before anything starts to um make sure that they've got this like unifying i'm going to go to the i've got it right here if you want it um yeah this list this commitment yeah you read it i'm i'm no you got it no, no, I'm just also aware that Lily might turn up at some point in the next five or ten minutes and I've okay. just got to let her in. <laughs> this is quite a good way to wrap it up, I think, yeah. because it is sort of the almost like the ground rules and listeners might find this interesting to kind of consider in terms of, you know, how we set up our learning communities. So in the book, they say the full value contract is to work together as a group, to adhere to safety guidelines, um, to have an agreement to give and receive feedback, positive and negative, and work towards changing behaviour when appropriate. And then the instructor can refer back, did we honour the contract? So if something happens, you're, you're not as a leader going, don't say that, do say that, you need to do that, blah, blah, blah. Your reference point is, hmm, were we honouring the contract there? Or did we devalue the contract in some way? Um... Applications to complete Level 3 Forest School leader training here with us at Children of the Forest are now open. Train with me and Lewis at our woodland site in Devon. We'd love to meet you in person. Visit myforestschooltraining.co.uk to find out more. They also progressed to add another point to that. I don't know if it was when the the project adventure movement spread to away from America or but it was to do with respecting and valuing other group members mm. so it was an additional point at the end cool. um, which is where that no put downs thing mm. came from and I mean they say that it's your job as the leader to kind of give this initial structure but that everything else underneath those kind of headings subheadings comes from the group itself and it's their words and they do it collaboratively and collectively so you're not putting words in their mouth they decide it and people are much more likely to abide by things if they've come to that that themselves rather than being told this is what you have to do yeah yeah definitely (laughs) oh so good thank you so much Mickey, for like bringing this book to our attention and for giving us your time this evening yeah. i really so enjoyed good. this my first podcast <laughs> so good um i feel like i could like go on for another hour but i also do need a wee so that's <laughs> stopping now um yeah there's so, there's so much more that i could chat about but what i think i'm mostly taking from this is that loads of these things will feed into our practice yeah and i'm really appreciating the opportunity because i have adhd the idea of like sitting down reading a book taking notes <laughs> like sometimes you need a bit of extra motivation to do that and i'm really glad that there was a little bit of pressure yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. read it with focus <laughs> why do you think we do this podcast <laughs> <laughs> amazing yeah right Thanks so much. When are we sticking around to do our Patreon podcast after this? Yes. Yes. Sure. Sure.
Lush. We, we first wear my daily recommend it. That's what I'm going to do I'm now. Do, yeah. Um, <laughs> see you on Thursday. See you on Thursday, mate. Bye. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye.